Hello. Oh, now I can hear there me. There you go. <laughs> Boy, it really helps to turn on the mic, it? Doesn't really it really does help to turn on the mic. Hello, it's me in the background. <laughs> you did spirit hovering. <laughs> Hi, I'm Derek Mast. And I'm Tanya Mast. We've got two kids, Rainy. Hiya. And Emerson. Da-da. And we're set to learn about marriage, parenting, and whatever else comes up. This is the journey of two young homeschooled Christian parents exploring what we're teaching and learning while we grow ourselves and raise our kids. <laughs> oh, it's a little eldritch horror-y. R.I.P. Lungs. <laughs> For this Halloween... I decided to be an asthmatic. <laughs> well, you pull off a very su- successful one. So tell me, tell me, what has happened? I think that I'd rather hear your your recounting of the events. Okay. So let me think about this. Not a this. guilty recounting, just a whimsical okay. one. Okay. All right. All right. So who got sick first? Was it Rainy that got sick first? Emerson got sick first. Emerson got sick me. first. Then Rainy. Okay. And so... Everybody else was getting better, and I assumed I would too. Yeah. So we figured it was just a cold, a little croupy something, something or other that the kids had that Tanya then got. I was like, okay, well, we'll get through it. This is going to be a bummer for you to edit if I cough the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. With two mics, it's a little bit... But we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it. It'll be great. Sorry. No, it's fine. So you just did not get better. You were just uh, there was no getting better on your <laughs> side. This is the worst day. Tomorrow it's going to get better. Yeah, that's how. It, oh, this is the worst day. Tomorrow is going to get better. <laughs> and then eventually you were like, "Okay, I actually I do need to see a doctor for this." And then when I they was saw like, oh, you, oh, I can't breathe. Oh my goodness. Calling then, the doctor now. Yeah. And then when they saw you, they said, oh, you should have gone to urgent care. It's like, oh no. And I was at work and the whole week, um, I've been like, okay, okay. I know time you sick. So I'll like get her some tea and stuff, but I wasn't like taking it very seriously. Um, until I heard the urgent care comment and I was like, oh no. The day before I had been trying to read to Rainey and I was like, <laughs> As I was, I was like oh, no. gasping out of breath from reading to her. It's not good. So, and so, so here's the problem. And I'm not blame. This is not to blame it on you at all. But it's hard to tell when you're like really sick versus somewhat sick. Because when you're really sick, you work just as hard as when you are sort of sick. <laughs> and which is. Good and bad. Yeah. And I I realize that I'm very largely to blame. I told Derek that I was kind of angry at him because he should have realized. But I'm like, but I can't be angry at you because I should have been more upfront. But I should have realized. Like, but it's, it's hard to gauge these things, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I was surprised by the, well, no, I wasn't. When they said that I should have been in urgent care, I was like, that actually makes sense because... I was driving my kids over to my in-laws before I went to the doctor and my like fingers and toes were getting tingly and I was just like, I did not, 
I couldn't have recounted much of what happened on that drive, except that I was just focusing to stay on the road. Not to the point that I was in danger, but I definitely was hyperventilating because of um, shortness of breath. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I went to the doctor's office or honestly anywhere where they told me that I had an that I had elevated blood pressure. So Mm -hmm. it's an adventure. So anyway, we're on steroids and uh, antibacterials and antibacterials, antibiotics, antibiotics, whatever. (laughs) Just Just rubbing soap. Chug a thing of soap. (laughs) Just keep chugging soap. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a good title. Just keep chugging soap. Yes, I, I agree. We'll have to see if we uh, if anything better happens. Oh, no. Actually, I have the title picked out already. Oh, no. The listeners already know, which we'll get into when we get into our, big, our main topic. Okay. <laughs> so, actually, this story leads into my, my first uh, thing that I've learned this week, which is, I think it's just a thing that Tanya gets deathly ill from some lung disease when the seasons change. It's the this last happened, time this happened was like two years ago, though. But it's happened at least three times in our marriage. This at least being the third time. Okay. Well, if I think not that the there was time. there was there was an issue when I was pregnant with Emerson mm-hmm. because like my lung capacity really is not good with asthma and stuff with a changing season, mm-hmm. and I can't really take anything like allergy related. Not a lot of stuff that is really helpful, mm-hmm. and then I get really short of breath, and then. We have to. And then she keeps running around doing things like a madman. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm really not trying to play. I'm, oh, I, I think know. it's funny. I know. I think it's funny and uh, a little tragic. <laughs> yeah. I am strong of soul, but not strong of body. <laughs> it's really, if you have people like that in your life, love them and help them to not to feel too bad about it. Because mm-hmm. I try my darndest to like stay fit, stay healthy, mm-hmm. feed us well, avoid things that might cause issues. But my body is just like, I hate you. And it was really unfortunate to grow up like that as a teenager and mm-hmm. just like have an asthma attack. At Like I remember getting an asthma attack right before a youth group trip that I was oh, really no, excited Oh no, that's for. the worst. And I wasn't allowed to go skiing because my freaking lungs. Yeah. I was so sad. I'll take you skiing again sometime. And then I went along and I was so excited that I was going to get to go swimming because that was a rare anomaly, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the wintertime. Then I got my period the day before. Oh, no. Yeah. <sighs> Sigh. Life was hard. It's not fun having to be the teenager that uses the nebulizer either. But anyways, yeah. that is enough of my pity party. <laughs> what have I learned this week? What have you learned, Tanya? Well, um, in the midst of the beginnings of the cold, we spoke at that conference that we had been yes. prepping for. Oh, yes, of course. So that was super good. I mean, I I did most of the speaking, which mm-hmm. was fun. And um, it was super cool to connect with butt. people. You are real good. Thank you. You should talk to people more. <laughs> we should start a podcast. <laughs> You would be great at a podcast. Oh my goodness. Whenever you make an introvert talk in front of people. But it, <laughs> it really was good. People came with really good questions and it was good. But I guess what came out of that is that I feel like the older I get, the more I don't second guess myself. And I think for the longest time I told myself that being confident is being prideful. Mm. And 
obviously those lines can mix and cross. Mm-hmm. So don't don't cross them. But also it's it's necessary whenever you step into a speaking position or just like teaching and giving information or even now in this freelance um, offer that when you market yourself that you have to be confident and you have to like not second guess yourself because which is still something I'm learning to do but Mm -hmm. I just need to tell myself you have skills you have experience let people pay you for things (laughs) anyways (laughs) Derek and I were having um, someone wanted a conversation today and yes somebody wants to know my price tag and my mental price tag is way lower than everybody tells me she wants to sell herself at like $15 an hour for a social media consultation when she does this as a job I'm like no no honey you gotta gotta make it a little bit more than that anyways but it's hard to also put a price tag on yourself when you're Mm -hmm. helping ministries especially yeah and that is the the issue this time anyways what else did you learn um I learned about how Tanya made the most wonderful muffins and you all shall weep with joy and despair at her amazingness as she describes how this how this went down. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you remember this, this feels like a while ago. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um no, I just I I asked you if you wanted muffins and you did. Mm-hmm. So I started the process the next day mm-hmm. with uh watching the kids and everything and uh Realized that we were out of most of the ingredients that the recipe called for mm-hmm. as I had started it. And of course, I am not a measurer. I am a dumper. Yes. I am a dumper. Which I feel like we've touched on before. Yeah. But um, it's still so true. I was just dumping a lot and it was like white flour, uh, white wheat. I don't have that. Whatever <laughs> this is, I don't have that. Um so making substitutions left and right. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't have eggs. I guess I'm putting bananas in here. <laughs> and then... That would never occur to me. I just don't... I mean, I'm sure people who bake are like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But like, anyway. Yeah. And then I got to the end. And because I had used wheat flour, like whenever you use wheat flour, you need more liquid or it gets dry. Um, and it helps the moisture of whatever you're baking to have more... To let it like... To let the liquid sit in it so it can kind of... Shoop it up. Shloop it up. Um, so I looked at it and I was like, that's not enough. Uh, well, I'm making spiced applesauce muffins. And so I just found some apple cider in the fridge and dumped that in there. But the muffins were good. They were excellent. Um, my Cameron and Krista came over and uh, my brother and his wife. And they raved about the muffins as well and wanted a recipe and... Tanya was like, sorry. Well, I can tell you where I started. (laughs) The problem is that this is the third time in a row that Chris has asked me for a recipe. And the third time that I've given her that answer, I'm deeply disappointing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, no, you are just exceptional in in many ways. You're sweet. But we will never see those muffins again. No, no. I could is, probably recreate them, but it is the joy and sorrow of uh, eating your food. Mostly joy, though. Mostly joy. Anything? What else do you have? I don't think I really have anything else. 
Oh, I was reading a really interesting article from a medical source about how um, a lot of the things that people think that cause sickness, um, like sugar or um, wet hair or just being cold and stuff like that, that Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily like your children will get colds no matter what. Um, it's more about strengthening, like strengthening the immune system will help them get over the colds faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're building up immunities. And I mean, the one big thing that they did say is um, in wintertime, like getting out of small spaces where you're like things spread around so much faster because everyone's stuck in the same space and the yeah. same air is recirculating. Anyways, I just thought it was really interesting. So planes are little tubes of sickness. Oh, my goodness. Mm. We'll make sure we keep out of those when the seasons change. <laughs> tubes of sickness. <laughs> hey, can you guys come on this like crazy trip? We're going to Hawaii. Nope. Sorry. That's the wrong time of year. <laughs> Tanya will get deathly ill. Um, I learned that. So we've been watching VeggieTales as a family recently, which is pretty fun. Because, I mean, I grew up, I was raised on that stuff. And I learned that, you know, VeggieTales actually... The Christian Cartoon Network? Eh? Yeah, basically the Christian Disney. Um, I know there were comments about that flying around that that period of time. And, of course, it has... Um, I don't know. It, it Its history has certainly evolved in a direction that we're not a huge fan of, but it, it's whatever. Um, but I have learned that Old School Veggie Tales actually holds up pretty nicely. Um, so we've been watching things like Madame Blueberry, Josh and the Big Wall, Dave and the Giant Pickle. Um, Madame Blueberry, uh, I actually really like that one. That was never one of my favorites growing up. Um, uh, basically because of the first song, the I'm So Blue song. I just found it pretty annoying, but the, the, like the, you know, the stuff, Mart stuff and like the little, the grateful song and the a happy heart or no, a great thankful heart is a happy heart. That, that song, that's a, it's such a, it, it warms the cockles of my heart. The, the little oysters down at the bottom of, of my heart. <laughs> and, uh, Josh and the big wall, actually they, they draw the theological ideas that they draw out there. I remember being uh, pretty good. All things considered uh, there uh, for a while. I've, um, I realized that there's a lot of veggie tales videos that tend to be moralizing things that aren't necessarily supposed to be drawn out of that sort of thing. Dave in the giant pickle is probably one of those where, the point of the story isn't probably that little guys can do big things, but they do um, touch on at the end of that one that uh, it doesn't mean you could do anything. It's that God, whatever God wants you to do, you could do, which is... Uh, which is basically any sermon anyways that we are David. Right. Yes. We don't We don't want to be David. You are not David. You are the unbelieving Israelites. Yes. Or maybe Goliath. You're the cowards. Sometimes you're David, but not normally. I mean, but sometimes. Oh, we sound so mean. <laughs> Maybe you're David. That's, that's that's what we've come at. Anyways. So anyway, it was a, it's been a fun uh, trek back through memory lane on uh, VeggieTales stuff. Shall we do our first voicemail? Yes, but are we actually answering voicemails today, or should we? We, we are going to talk about it briefly. Because I think it's going to be a bigger topic later on. Okay. But we have a main topic today, so we'll touch on it and why we haven't done it, because it's 
but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll play it. We'll play it and, and uh, then we'll talk about it. Hey, it's Jesse. I was listening to the rain episode, and I'm sure that you're going to talk more about this later. But have you guys given any thought to what sort of screen time or device restrictions you plan on using for your kids, uh, especially in this days of social media and the always connected generation? I love the podcast. Yay. Thank you, Jesse, for for calling in. That's that's fantastic. If you want to uh, leave your voicemail, you can um, do that at settolearn.com slash talk. We would love to hear other people ask questions or add commentary or whatever you want to do. Just throw an audio file in there. But You can also disagree with us. Yes. That was really sweet of what Jesse said, but yes. you know, you don't Very have sweet. to agree with us. <laughs> but that is the question. I feel like that is a question that is the big question it is a parenting today very large question of the of society and, and i have thoughts and i have thoughts too and <laughs> and our thoughts may not <laughs> coincide which is why we haven't talked about it yet well no see the reason we haven't <laughs> talked about it yet is because one of us has studied and can back their opinion and the other person cannot so here's <laughs> Here's my main problem I with this whole discussion. I sound super disrespecting of you no, as no, a no, person. No, 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 I to- it's, it it's is all totally fair. It's totally fair. Part of my whole problem with this entire discussion is that while there is some data on screens and stuff, the I don't put a lot of faith in the questions that people are asking or or the way that people come to their answers. It is really hard to track data because how do you track, yeah. how how do you pin it back to one yes. thing? And humans are notoriously difficult to study with well, with psychological behaviors and stuff um, with something that's pretty, and I know I'm talking to a doctor here. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's a doctor. I know we, we know him personally. Uh, so Jesse may have different uh, opinions on this. Which you're totally welcome to, to let me know about. But um, there's so much about the brain that we don't understand that when we start making very fine lines on, okay, like two hours of, of screen time in general is okay, but more than that is generally bad for kids. Um we don't get the disambiguation of um, what certain types of screen time are the kids doing mm-hmm. and and yeah, that sort of stuff. But this is something that we've been gearing up to podcast about for a while. Yeah. Once Derek can pin things down, I have lots of thoughts. I think my biggest concerns are addiction and getting trapped in a sensory loop and mm-hmm. um, content. Like, is it cortisol raising? I know that that's like triggered for crunchy parents um different things like that but the science behind it is super interesting and the stuff that i've studied gives me opinions yes but our kids do watch things Mm -hmm. just to put that out there Mm. And, and i am aware of the potential harms that technology can present as i have i mean i've talked about um my uh some of my issues regarding that in earlier episodes, I think like episode three or four. So like, I am not naive to this stuff, but yeah, anyway, we'll talk about that later. Thank you for the question though. Uh, We are definitely going to talk about it at some point. So again, if you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can do that at settolearn.com slash talk. 
We'd love to hear you, but for now... Oh, and Jesse also gave good commentary on the airplane thing. Oh, that's right. Yes, we should find that. Jesse is like our our feedback person of the week. Yeah, you win. Five stars and ten imaginary cookies. Because he even he even gave me music recommendations from regarding the last show. Gave me some an uh, lead on boy, some great oh boy. instrumental eighties music. You win. which everybody else is losing. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> you all are good people too. <laughs> all right. So his comment on the airplane thing when we were going over the lake. Um, he said the reason they flew over Lake Michigan on the approach to Chicago almost certainly has to do with some noise abatement procedures. Fewer people are affected by noisy jets landing if they're flying over water. I suppose technically they don't consider it an overwater flight as there are probably specific criteria for how much water one has to fly over to make it an overwater flight. And this was an answer to the postpartum depression episode that we released mm-hmm. where I had a mini panic attack on the flight that was not supposed to be over the water and suddenly was. Which was also a very good episode if you have not listened to that yet. So thank you, Jesse, for all your feedback. Uh, Keep it coming. Yes, yes. And now for our main topic. Mm -hmm. I have been excited about this one for a while. Um, So uh, Tanya, take it away. What are we talking about? Well, it is the month of scariness. And it's raining outside (laughs) and we're sitting in our dimly lit office in many layers of warmth and trying to think about the scariest thing we could talk about. (laughs) I'm totally joking, but also not. We are going to talk about um, a previous church experience that I had. Uh Derek, why did you want me to talk about this? I thought I would ask you this because you are kind of the driving force behind a lot of this. Yeah. Well, so... Uh, there's there's a couple of things. First off, it's a, it was a major part of your life, um, and you know I think it's valuable in in helping us understand you know who you are, um, but also that uh, um, you tend to have some issues with Calvinism in general that I think come out of this, and I think it's helpful to understand how. There, how certain, you know, Calvinist churches can be run when run badly, when it becomes a cult as opposed to, you know, um, yeah. But I wouldn't pin sen- a cult on Calvinism. No, I know. I, I know, agree that but, it was hyper reformed Calvinism. But, but these people used Calvinism as a bit of a weapon instead of a instead of a comfort. Like Calvinism, I, I find to be a a doctrine of of great grace and peace and joy as opposed to something that's scary which i think they drew out which isn't a main point of why i wanted you to bring this up but the the third thing would just be uh, cult stories are interesting (laughs) and i think a lot of people don't and your story was low-key enough that i bet there's a lot of people who may hear it and be like hmm is my church a cult like not, not I'm not saying that most most churches are cults, but I definitely see your um uh through your story I I totally see the perspective about how one can be in a church that is a cult without understanding that oh I'm these these people are not this is a cult 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I've been gone from that church for over five years now. Yeah. But um, I still find residual things popping up, which is part of why I guess I'm talking about it, because I get to relate to my church staff and my fantastic pastor and our youth pastor and our is Greg like an associates pastor? What is his actual uh, title? Anyways, <laughs> all of like our that. staff I get to relate to. And recently I realized when our main pastor was gone out of one of our staff meetings, I talked to him later and I was like, man, I was way more chill when you weren't there, which is funny because our we have like a great relationship with our pastor and his wife, super wise people. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave us pre-engagement counseling. They gave us marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. They've walked us through some difficult seasons and just given wisdom. Um, and it, I'm honestly grateful for all of our elders and their wives, too, and the wisdom that they give. But anyways, mm-hmm. I told him, like, I realized that I have, like, an underlying fear of authority after going through mm-hmm. some of this stuff um, that I didn't realize until, like, this year. So... That's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, paint us a picture. Tell me, so how long you... Well, first, I mean, the other reasons why I would be willing to share about this is because nobody else is um, from Mm. this specific church. Yes. I mean, the main reason is if you're in a similar situation, I would like you to see warning signs and get out Mm -hmm. or have important conversations if changes can be made. But um, also because... Nobody else is talking about it. And I'm not putting names out there or, you know, I I that's, don't. That's not really our that's place. That's not, not really. Yeah. I, I know we have thousands and thousands of, listen, of listeners to this show. <laughs> um, so we really don't want the entirety of the Internet going after this church and just pummeling them for it in a, in a like not looking for mob justice, looking to use this as a teaching opportunity. I would like to respect all persons who are still there. Mm-hmm. So, but there is this general feeling from every person that leaves that church. You're not allowed to talk about what happened. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge disservice. We are all for breaking that. So I'm just going to go through and, and actually read off some signs of if you are in a cult. And in in regards to a cult church, because as I began thinking through all of this, I did a lot of research. Okay. How can you tell if you're in a cult? And every article (laughs) and thing that I came across, I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And there was a lot of crisscross. And there's some things that I don't agree with either. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to let that kind of lead the discussion and give some illustrating stories but this was the church that i grew up in um from age 12 i think okay maybe i was there for i thought that i was there for 12 years though yeah that wouldn't be so i would have been a little bit younger than that Mm -hmm. anyways yeah i was there for a while y'all right um and my whole family obviously anyways Signs that you're in a cult. Um, The leader is the ultimate authority. And again, you can go lots of different ways. But when I say that, I mean, you're not allowed to criticize your leader, even if the criticism is true. There's someone very charismatic who claims some supreme knowledge. Um, 
members are convinced uh, to forfeit their critical thinking ability Mm -hmm. um, in return for a sense of belonging, authority, and purpose. To a member, it doesn't matter what the evidence or logic may suggest. The leader is always right, and their misdeeds are always justified. Criticism of the leader is forbidden. Um, So basically, inappropriate loyalty. Yeah. And I should have said before I even started, I believe in the universal church. I believe in the calling to a smaller church, a community of believers that are holding you accountable, that are speaking into your life, even when it's painful, just mm-hmm. to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that has not changed my thinking from any of this. <laughs> but uh, when loyalty to a specific church becomes blind, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. That's a big problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, your parents at their current church still are not members right do you think they're i think that i thought that they became members but they they were they were nervous for a while they were resisting that for a while and i was so nervous i was so nervous oh yeah because when we i I had you when you became a member yeah i guess you were nervous i asked my pastor some hard questions about well about accountability i was like what kind of accountability do you have because in the previous church that i was in just to paint a picture Mm The leadership did everything, um, and the leadership was all in one family. So it was the father and the son. A not, dynasty. Not the father, son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> it was there was the no father. Holy Spirit involved. No, the father and the son, and um, it was they were the pastor and the associate pastor. One of them led worship. One of them led choir. One of them was the youth group pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, there were no there were no elders because they didn't feel like any man in the church was in a spiritual position to step into that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few deacons, but but yeah. deacons there would mean like general caretakers, yeah, like tithe, helping with tithe and things like mm-hmm. that. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and even one of the guys that was slowly like given more responsibility was still only categorized as a deacon ah, because yes. he wasn't mature enough to step into elder in for their like viewpoint. years. Yeah, like close to decades. I or you don't. It's know. hard it's, to it's gauge hard to some of these things, okay. but yeah. he was in his forties, late forties, probably when I left, mm-hmm. and was still. Anyways, um. Point two, the group suppresses skepticism. If you're only allowed to study your organization through approved sources, you might be in a cult. Um, again, mm-hmm. don't run too far with this, but um, because churches have theology. Like that is that is good. What I'm talking about is like, well, calls view critical thinking as an infectious disease and every effort is made to suppress it. Doubting members are encouraged to isolate themselves from outside influences and focus solely on the doctrine of the cult. Criticism is forbidden, yada, yada. Um, if you contradict the group, you are disciplined or suppressed um, and members are discouraged from consuming any material that is critical of the group. So uh, we had like, very specific um, theologians that we would read, like Mm -hmm. Piper and MacArthur, which is why you find me with (laughs) such, like, those guys are super wise, but that is why I have a feeling against them now because, like, that was mainly the only thing that we 
yeah. studied in that church for Sunday school, for youth group stuff, for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're a one theologian or even a two theologian guy, it's probably a sign that you're not digging deep enough into your theology. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously Piper and Piper and MacArthur have, have made great contributions to, uh, to uh, theology, but um, or, or helping us understand it, but yeah. But there's also so many good theologians out there, wise, wise men, and also I feel like reading the opposite side is good and yeah. engaging and helps you to stand up for your worldview. And when I said this to someone very close to me in the church, they said, "But you have Piper and MacArthur. Why would you read anything else?" <laughs> Not joking. I just don't understand that. But yeah. But I mean this. But I mean this came across in so many other ways because there was there was a right and wrong for music. There was a right and wrong for clothes. And I still remember as a teenager trying to have that discussion with my youth pastor on our youth group trip and saying, "Hey, uh, what about convictions? Like, where does where do convictions fall into that?" And I still never got a straight straight answer because. There was like a morally right and wrong for everything. Mm-hmm. Anyways, point three. All right. Lay it on me. The group delegitimizes former members. I'm sure that if you have ever been at a church split, in a church split, mm-hmm. or had members leave the church, you know, there's that feeling of like, well, maybe they were wrong. Maybe they were right. Maybe mm-hmm. they were just moving on to another season of life somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But this church did not, did not allow for that. So if you can't think of a legitimate reason for someone leaving your group, you're probably in a cult Uh, because (laughs) the cult considered is considers itself the ultimate authority on truth. Can't imagine anybody leaving it with their integrity intact. Thus. And by the way, I'm reading off of articles for some of this, but Personal stories are my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, thus, it has to perpetuate a false narrative that former members were deceived, proud, immoral, or lazy. If former members speak out, they are dismissed. This is really important as bitter, angry, dishonest, or sinful. Cults often impose some kind of shunning to shame former members and prevent them from infecting other members mm-hmm. with the truth. So once we were gone from the church, we were not supposed to associate with... Um, with people from the church. Mm-hmm. I had mentored a lot of the girls in our church and I called up my youth pastor to ask if it was all right if I came back to visit the youth group. And um, he's like, absolutely not. That would be incredibly dangerous. And then he kind of yelled at me about my parents on the phone for <laughs> a good hour after that. But anyways. No. Was that the night that I, was that then the night that I asked you out? It was. It was uh, indeed. Yes. That was a crazy day. Anyways, so I was once having a conversation with our assistant pastor as a older teenager, and he was just saying how, like, I was meant to be at this church. Like, he knew, and I said, what if I'm meant to serve somewhere else, be somewhere else? Like, what if I move or something? And he's like, "God, God brought you here for you to be here. It would be a sin if you left. How do you argue with that? How do you? Anyways, I, I'm sorry. I'm making faces <clears throat> over here. <laughs> um, that does not work well that, for like audio. I know. I know that you're meant to be here. Is what yeah, he told me. Yeah, you can't argue with that. But people who left the church were shunned. 
I know for a fact that after I left the church, I was labeled as dangerous and Mm -hmm. people were told that I um, was just waiting for the church to fail me. Mm. Y'all, I was there 12 years. I am not like a difficult person. Mm-hmm. I have a fear of authority. <laughs> what did you tell me the other day when I was, um, I'm just so deeply like worried that I'm going to offend someone. Like yeah. I'm very, anyways, it's probably something along the lines of a fear of, or no, uh, I do have a fear of people, Yeah, but which is not a good thing. But anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. So if there's n- not a good reason to leave the church ever, that. Mm. There's, I mean, there's a problem there. That, I mean, that means there's no accountability. That means yeah. like, Which, th- that assumes that the leaders are infallible and thus puts them on the plane of being godlike. Once you have some sort of, once you don't have any mechanism where there's fallibility, it no longer fits into biblical, con- in, in, into biblical standards. So The last day that I was at my church was... So my parents left this church before I did, Mm -hmm. and they were receiving hate mail from church leadership and being shunned by everybody else. After years and years of my parents trying to serve at that church, and yeah, and I invited some of the youth group over after church. I was still at the church. I was still trying to have conversations with the leadership because I had been gone at college for a long period of time. And I felt like I needed to get answers for myself before, you know, following my parents out the door. Mm -hmm. But that night I got a call from a friend saying nobody, nobody is coming because your parents aren't at the church anymore and we can't be around them. Ah, yes. Um, anyways, Number four, the group is paranoid about the outside world. Um, if your group insists the end of the world is near, you're probably in a cult. That was not at all my experience. I was not told that it was the end of the world. Uh-huh. But the general feeling that you need to be protected from what's on the outside, I guess, separation from the universal church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like if if your church is not connected with other churches, that would be cause for concern for me. Our church leadership had no accountability except themselves and i don't know what level of accountability happened there that's kind of huge too i mean they weren't part of a denomination or anything either right like officially they were a bible church that was what they were categorized as there it was said that now and then like every few months that they my um assistant pastor said that they would meet up with other pastors but that wasn't like an accountability thing Mm -hmm. and honestly this church had burnt had burned bridges and connection points everywhere they went Mm -hmm. um, because they were so I'm going to say to you what I think is true. And if you don't listen to it, then I'm like, you're wrong. Like there was no workability. Um, That very high, you know, uh, sense of, of um, righteousness and what's the other, like a polemical attitude towards, you know, trying you have a church that meets Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for a prayer meeting and Mm -hmm. then for other practices and Thursday night for um, walking around the community or youth group or other things. And then events outside of that within the church, there isn't really time to connect with other churches. Mm -hmm. And 
like I was in an evangelism group as a teenager, um, a discipleship um, evangelism group. And I remember being so scared to go to church and like dreading coming out of the church and our pastor asking me, why weren't you at church Sunday night? Because I missed a Sunday night service because that evening I was doing an outreach thing. Mm-hmm. And he would ask me that on Wednesday. It was a small church, by the way. So Yeah, very very small. They so. could keep track of people. Which is another thing. That church has not grown because there is a high turnover rate. But there are people that have been there for so long whose kids will grow up in that community. I'm very scared for them. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, but within that is a tight knit group of people because that is that is your life. Um, honestly, everyone who is there, I feel like most of the people, there are some people that I've stumbled in, but mostly it is people who have left groups like um, really intense Mennonite churches mm-hmm. or like brethren communities where they've been yeah. living on like a call base and they come out of that and they fall right into another one. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a sense of safety and belonging in a place like that. Yeah. And there's a strong it, sense of community because these people are like your family. You see them constantly and you're not supposed to be you're not supposed to be talking to people outside of there. Right. In fact, the leadership when my parents joined the church, the leadership was talking to each other and said, "Do you think we can keep Mark and Naomi?" They have a lot of contacts outside of the church. Hmm. And that was something that my parents were con- like the leadership talked to them different times about like, why don't you find your community in here? We do. But yeah, my parents yeah. are like the type of people that go, they oh go to goodness. Gettysburg and they find someone that they know they're making connections everywhere. Cause they just love people. We, we went to a couple of years ago, we had a family vacation to Canada <laughs> and there were like, three or four times that we met up with people on the way with like hours apart from each other (laughs) that is like what what how do you know all of these people how is this even possible on the way to canada i mean there's that's my parents uh it's and they they are insanely good at knowing people people. everywhere that they go And my mom is a prayer warrior, so she's mm-hmm. constantly meeting people and saying, God bless you, and how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and these people are, are, are also greeting uh, um, them like like family, like everybody yeah. knows each other. Yeah. Anyways. It's amazing to watch. Within that, I feel like that saved my parents a lot in the situation that they were in. But anyways... Number five, the group relies on shame cycles. And I don't know how I can emphasize this enough, but if your group, if you need your group to feel worthy, loved, sufficient, that's not good. <laughs> you, if your value is in the church that you're in, like value as a believer is so much beyond that. Um, cult leaders trap members in shame cycles by imposing abnormally strict codes of conduct. They make followers feel bad about anything that can be used to shame them. It was a, it was a joke in our <laughs> midst that someone would say, how are you? And I'd say, I'm good. How are you? No, you're desperately wicked. <laughs> <laughs> but they believed it. And yes, we have a sin nature. Yes, that is like, that is part of, of who you are and Mm. may that keep you humble and watchful, but also like 
stopping there is not the gospel. Right. The the girls that I were was uh, mentoring and reaching out to in that church um were doubting their salvation. Like every single one of them was just like I'm a mess. Like God can't love me. I'm going to hell. I know it. Like mm-hmm. if that and I I know like you can't just take one member and be like their theology is whack so the church is a mess. But mm-hmm. that was like consistent and that is like even to this day I see things that people post from that church and it's all like self-deprecation. Like mm-hmm. it feels like masochism to me <laughs> that my gospel is not like true gospel unless I'm lamenting about my sin nature. Honestly, considering how soon I asked you out after this kind of all went down, you leaving the church and everything, I'm a little shocked that when I told you that I was a Calvinist, that you kept dating me. <laughs> I know so many Calvinists that I respect. That is not the oh, thing okay. at all. All right. Like no, I said, I it's not Calvinism. But... It's hyper-reformed Calvinism. Well, and, and, and I Calvinism, know the difference between the two. Right. And Calvinism was used as, as a weapon, which I just, yeah. I, I'm shocked that you're as uh, sane towards Calvinism as, as you are. Part of Part of the shame cycle, too, I feel like is... Well, everybody who has tried to leave that church has tried to have hours and hours and hours and hours and probably years of conversation with the leadership trying to find a place of reconciliation, of reconciliation, because there's this underlying feeling that you are doing something horribly wrong, but they can't pinpoint it for you. And over and over, my parents would say, like, we talk to them for hours and we don't we don't have any changeable any action steps Mm -hmm. Uh, a letter from leadership said uh you're frustrated with conversations because you want to see movement and you're not taking the time to see the mind of christ this is why we can't get anywhere in this discussion like that would be what you would hear you are not seeking the mind of christ and that is why Mm -hmm. which sounds really good but like what do you do with that jesus juke i should put that in some of my soundboard And for the times that you weren't being told that you needed to be counseled by the leadership because there was issues in your life that weren't really pointed out, you were being punished in other ways. So, I mean, from being allowed to host things within the church or volunteer to even getting a solo in choir, if you were not in good standing with the leadership and they felt like you were at a good place spiritually, which again, was not pinnable. You could, then you were being punished. And Mm -hmm. my mother dealt with that for years and years and years and years before my father began dealing with it too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can only imagine the strain that that put on their marriage because my mom is the most servant-hearted person that I know. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. (sighs) What else you got for us? The last one would be... um, the leader is above the law and can do no wrong. Um, if you're held to a different moral standard, specifically in regards to sex type stuff, mm-hmm. you are um, probably in a cult. Again, don't run too far with this. <laughs> but um, when confronted, they don't confess. There's There can be like a lot of grooming within tight-knit communities like that, loyal cult members will perform any amount of mental gymnastics to justify or ignore the leader's behaviors because they must 
They can't have bad motives. It's my leader, like, they can do no wrong type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Which, yeah. again, I'm sure that the leadership would say, like, we are sinners, you know. But um, one of the things that I went through in my church was um, deeply unfortunate that when our church leadership finally was starting to allow a man who had been in the church for a long period of time, was married, had grown up like being a Sunday school teacher for the kids, allowed him to step into a youth group leader position. Mm -hmm. And um, shortly thereafter, it came out that he had filmed a bunch of us girls at a slumber party, (sighs) um, which launched into a very (sighs) long court, thing that mm-hmm. I got to fly back from college for and try to help some wonderful humans pick up the pieces mm-hmm. because gosh darn it you don't want to ever have to see yourself on film and and be like yep that's me and do you want to press charges but I mean we could go into a lot more about that another yeah, time that, all that's that probably to say, a, whole, a whole other discussion yeah all that to say um when this came out that there was film of a bunch of girls and the wife not shockingly did not want to have to watch the footage that her husband had taken and and um identify all of the people boy you're destroying pens over there aren't you are you really worked up <laughs> no it's just okay. fidget, fidgeting <laughs> um she she didn't want to have to identify everyone on tape which i can imagine um our associate pastor volunteered to watch the tapes mm-hmm. of us girls in the bathroom, in the bedroom, getting changed in the shower. This was like deeply disturbing to my parents that, that this would be an okay. My mm-hmm. mom was like, there are so many, he was, he was like, no, it, it needs to be me. It needs to be me. This was also something that they didn't want to bring to the authorities, but praise the Lord. It was brought to the authorities yeah. because there was a minor involved. I mean, anyways, well, several minors, right? Yeah. When this was brought up and, and I talked to deep, close friendships in the church and said, hey, this is deeply disturbing to me that our, like, not only did he, like, volunteer, but insisted, and praise the Lord, he was not the person to look at the tapes, but mm. I said, that's that's deeply disturbing to me, and and my friend in the church was like, well, like he's he's the leader. Like I, I know his heart. I trust him. Like there's he wouldn't do it. You know, like mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. I can't even put into words. But anyways, that kind of that is not healthy. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Anyways, yeah. um, there there's multiple situations of things like that happening in the church where our pastor our associate pastor insisted on meeting one-on-one with women because normally it was the women in the church who needed reform. Oh, okay. Um, and, and still to this day, the women are the targeted ones in the church for the leadership to become close to, uh. which feels kind of icky. Um, but there was situations where there was marriage counseling happening one-on-one and women coming to my mom and saying, um, I'm really starting to have feelings for our associate pastor and my mom saying, get out, do Mm -hmm. not be meeting one-on-one when you're struggling in a marriage Mm -hmm. and saying this to our pastor and him insisting to keep meeting with these people (laughs) one-on-one behind closed doors. Um, 
I just, there's so many places you could go with that. But in conclusion, um, other signs, just not good. Pitting married people against each other, dishonoring the family unit. When you come to, when you're telling a husband or a wife, your spouse is wrong, your spouse is wrong, and you need to send them to us to meet one-on-one. That is wrong. I've heard mm-hmm. that happen with like every every family <laughs> that's left. And praise yeah. the Lord that my parents like stuck through that together because that was like great strain on their marriage. And I can't even imagine if you and I faced something like that. Yeah. Um, targeting women I talked about. Um, yeah. I feel like <laughs> I could uh, probably keep going for a while. Those were my notes. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. But basically, guys, like the universal church is so good. Yeah. The small church is so good, too. Talking. I mean, our pastor and his wife know my church experience. I feel like they knew that from like pre-engagement counseling. They knew like backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think constantly to that time that we sat down with pastor and um mentioned to him like to talk about our concerns about seeing the full extent of the gospel sometimes fully expressed in the sermon and like delves Mm -hmm. into more Mm -hmm. and the fact like that we came to him with such a difficult and honestly like could be hurtful because pastors do not get all the positive criticism most of the time like normally people are like quiet if you're good and if we have issues, that's when we're going to like talk to you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and his humility in the way that he responded to us. And like, well, I haven't thought about this specifically. I want some more time to think about it, but I really appreciate you guys bringing these concerns to me. That was just like, like, <laughs> and my heart Blew your healed. Little brain. <laughs> yeah. Being able, I mean, when I came to my pastor this year and I was like, I, I just realized like, I feel, feel really uncomfortable in meetings with you sometimes or I just feel nervous and it's because meeting with leadership in the past would go from zero to ten really quick from like a coffee conversation to a well for years these are all the issues we have with you but we can't pinpoint them but there are so many things that you have wrong and Mm -hmm. accusations and just yeah talking to my pastor and my pastor closed a meeting one day with me and just said, you know, you mentioned this a little bit back and I don't want to like push you back into a painful conversation, but I'm so sorry that that has been your experience with leadership and his eyes like filled with tears. And I just, man, I love my church and I love my pastor. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I love all of the leadership that I got to work with, but the, Mm -hmm continual that first time when you hear oh we're gonna partner with another church for an event (laughs) what (laughs) like we're gonna interact with another church Uh um well we're not going to have our service because we would love for you to go and hear the speaker that's coming to another church (laughs) like what (laughs) even now like we partner as a church with with um the school district in our community which is not a religious organization yeah. to reach out to needs in the community. Like, <laughs> and I feel like yeah, over time, I, I don't know if, I don't know if this is popular enough yet for people to start like 
knowing knowing it from the name, but um, our church is behind the Together Initiative as one of the churches that's involved with with making that a thing. We've been so we're very involved with the community. I know we've. Our pastor is so humble about this to, too. He's oh, going yeah. to speak at Harvard this week. They invited him to go <laughs> and speak. Kind of ridiculous. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, all that to say, please do not walk away from this conversation thinking that the church is wrong, um, or that every church is a cult. But because also, certainly that is not the no, case. No, no. Small churches can be uh, completely God-honoring and non-cultish while still having a high value on uh, community and, um, you know, trusting your leadership. But there, if, if there's no accountability, that is... Yeah. And church discipline is biblical, too. Absolutely. It's a really difficult conversation for me to have now because I am still trying to sort through how it's done well because I've done, seen it done so poorly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like I should have a really... Good way to wrap this up. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes it's just messing. You throw it out there, and um, yeah, I, I would, I would love to hear feedback on this, either from church, either from people who have been. If you've been in a cult, you want to share your experience, you a similar experience, yeah. Or if you have questions, love to hear that too. And also, just a reminder for the people who are unreachable in your life, who have cut themselves off from you. Like keep praying for those people because mm-hmm. I'm still seeing people stumble out of that community with years of pain that they're going to have to work through and, uh, but wisdom to be able to share out of that too. And just like, don't stop praying for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you know exactly what we're talking about and you're still in that church and you happen to be listening through this entire episode, which I highly doubt, we would encourage you to, uh, yeah, seek seek wise counsel um, that's not the leadership of your church. And uh, I don't know, start thinking deeply about this. I hate to say to people, don't trust your pastor. But like if you go and talk to several pastors and talk about yeah. the organization that you're in, like democratize it's, that. It's wisdom. a useful, it's a useful thing. Yeah. If your church has burnt bridges everywhere that it's gone, it might be time to start asking why. Mm hmm. And and we love you, and we'd love to talk about it more. But anyway, and I don't know, it's just an interesting story, and thank you for sharing it. And we'll probably touch on it in the future, because obviously this church was a big part of your life, so, you know, it's good to have this kind of as a base level sort of thing. It also feels so far off in the distance now, though. Which is good. That's just grace, and the Lord, and redemption. Mm-hmm. I love you so much. I love you, too. Thanks for joining us. If you want to follow or talk to us, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter at set to learn. And our website is settolearn.com. Keep learning and we'll see you next time.